0: So, as I was getting ready this morning, I don't know if this has happened to you guys as moms, this is, I'm just telling you a few things up front so that you know that um, uh, we don't have it all together, these, these people up here. So, I don't know if this happens in your house, but anytime I put on any other shoes besides flip-flops, my children go, why are you dressing up? <laughs> <laughs> is somebody, are we having company? Or like you dry your hair, and they're like, are you going to a wedding? I mean, like, it, like you realize how low your standards have become. So as a constant reminder of, of individuality and different things, Matt and I have three daughters, and um, they are all so completely different. And our youngest, I don't even know how to explain it, she's just hilarious. And she's just, I, she's... I can't even, she just kind of rolls through life, man, just wandering around. You send her out to get the mail, and that could take 30 minutes. You don't know. Um, She just kind of does her thing. So she is now in seventh grade, but because she, you know, rolls through life and does her own thing, sometimes I peek in the lunchbox, make sure there's actual food in there and not, like, socks. And I'm not kidding. Um, And so she... um, I like to tell myself it's because she's so smart that she just can't think, like, normal thoughts. She's just, her intelligence is so elevated. That's what we tell ourselves as parents. Anyway, so, last night, this literally happened in my home last night. We, um, I went in and I had made both girls little salads to throw in to supplement their lunch boxes. And, um... So I went in and put one in her lunchbox and I saw that it was like super full and just all kinds of weird stuff. So I start pulling it out and I pull out a can of beer out of her lunchbox. Now, hold on. Don't freak out because <laughs> I did. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> what ha- happened was that we buy those little um, LaCroix in the cans And um, we buy the generic LaCroix. It's like LaCrap or something like that. (laughs) And so we had stuck them in the bottom of this little small mini refrigerator that's kind of near our big refrigerator. And in the very bottom, however many months ago, people came over and they brought this ginger beer or something like that. So... We just saved it for when we had people over again, and we threw it in there. So it was down with the lacraps in the bottom of the fridge. And so she just reached in and grabbed one. Threw in the lunch. Can you imagine getting that call today? Oh, where's Dee Dee? Oh, she's speaking at mom's. Could you just tell her that her daughter's drinking beer with lunch? <laughs> <sighs> Woo! Yeah. Okay. So I guess I'll actually do my actual talk now. Um, so we're talking about individuality, and we live in a culture that celebrates that. It's, it's um, something that we... Um, our whole country is based on that idea. Um, you know, the pursuit of happiness, all of that stuff. We are a culture that celebrates it. Um, and here's the societal definition of individuality. It's a doctrine that the interests... Of the individual are or ought to be ethically paramount. Okay, and then number two says a social theory favoring freedom of action for individuals over collective action or state control. So that's what our culture says, or this is how Calvin and Hobbes puts it in a way that I can understand better. (laughs) I love Calvin and Hobbes. He says nowadays ads don't just sell a product, they sell an attitude. Look at this one. Here's a cool guy saying nobody tells him what to do. He does whatever he wants, and he buys his product as a reflection of that independence. Then Hobbes says, so basically, this maverick is urging everyone to express his individuality through conformity in brand name selection. And then Calvin says, well, it sounded more defiant the way he said it. So you can see that reflected in a ton of advertising. And I had my eyes really opened to this a few weeks ago and I sent some stuff to Sandy and we were both kind of like taken aback by how backwards we have it as a society. I'm going to show you a few ads and read them to you. Let's look at the first one. This is Burger King. We know that their big slogan is have it your way, right? But you got to hear this bottom thing. You have the right to have what you want exactly when you want it. Because on the menu of life, you are today's special. And tomorrow's, and the day after that, and well, you get the drift. Yeah, that's right. We may be the king, but you, my friend, are the almighty ruler. That's just a little sample. Let's go to the next one. (laughs) We all know the tagline for L'Oreal, which is? Because you're worth it. Because you're worth it. At the, this was a, a slide talking about extreme individualism, and it says extreme individualism can be dangerous to a culture's health, leading to selfishness, narcissism, egomania, and the mistaken notion that human beings are not interdependent. And Sarah touched on a little bit of that interdependence in her talk when she talked about all of us being part of one body. Let's go to the next one. This is for De Beer's jeweler, and you'll see it in your um, magazine this month. Your left hand says we. Your right hand says me. Your left hand loves candlelight. Your right hand loves the spotlight. Your left hand rocks the cradle. Your right hand rules the world. Women of the world, raise your right hand. Let me give you one more because I want to sober you up as much as possible. I want you to be so depressed by the time you leave here. (laughs) Your left hand is the sensible one. Your right hand is the crazy one. Your left hand does what it should. Your right hand does what it pleases. Your left hand knows that God created woman. Your right hand thinks that God is a woman. Women of the world, raise your right hand. That, my friends, is individualism gone really wrong. Amen? Okay, so how do we reel all that back in and get to the type of individualism that God has created us for? If we are discerning and we're not tuned in to God's word, it becomes very easy to get caught up in those messages and start buying into the idea that I am worth it, even if it's not in the budget, even if we can't afford it. I deserve a bigger diamond on my 10th anniversary. You owe that to me. We all do it in one way or another. But to be a Christian woman, wife and mother, means that all of our gifts, all of our personality traits, the stuff that makes us individuals, are meant to be used for God's glory, not for our own. And that also means that we don't have to vie or chase after the spotlight or try to rule the world, we no longer celebrate ourselves. But as you'll see in this verse, Paul talks about, um, I love this, 2 Corinthians 2.2, it says, For I decided while I was with you, I would forget everything except Jesus Christ, the one who was crucified. And that's a challenge in the day-to-day milieu of being tired and thinking your day is gonna go a certain way, then it totally doesn't go that way at all because other people have needs and they get in the way of our needs. So we let go of all those things. Sometimes it's a minute by minute thing, releasing things that we thought we were going to be that we thought were more important. And instead we spend our time and energy promoting Christ and his salvation. And we promote Christ and his salvation in our homes and within our marriages when we walk with Christ first. And that frees us up because when when our eyes are on him and not ourselves, we are different people. Am I right? When I'm looking at me and what I want to do in a day, and I've got my list and you come in and you interrupt my day, you are not a person. You become an obstacle. And I see that happen all the time in my marriage. If I'm not where I'm supposed to be spiritually, what Matt needs is just a burden. It's not a joy to do it. I'm just like, I'm trying to watch this show. You know, are they going to get the baby from Russia? Quiet down. All right. So this next passage that I'm going to read to you is First Corinthians 15. I'm going to read you the first um, few verses in the last few, but in your magazine, the entire passage is printed out. So this is 1 Corinthians 15. It says, Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received on and which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved. If you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. And then Paul goes on to write. Paul, the one who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, writes, For I am the least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. I want to back up and talk about that one little line there that says, But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace to me was not without effect. So Paul here is talking about what his first ministry is, what his biggest passion is, which is the ministry of the gospel. It's his one true love. And he's not just saying, I am the least of these because he wants someone to go, no, no, you're not. He really recognizes who he is without Christ. Does that make sense? There's a difference between living your life feeling like you're worthless and a difference between recognizing where you would be without Jesus. Do you see the difference? Okay, we don't want to live, girls, over here. That's not healthy. That's not what Christ has called us to. What we want to do is live over here where we're aware of why we need a Savior. To need a savior is to recognize you need saving, right? Okay. So, he's not speaking with false humility when he says that, but he remembers who he was before Jesus saved him, and he's still in disbelief that Jesus could use someone like him in such a powerful way. And this is, again, my favorite verse in the passage, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And next great thing His grace to me was not without effect. I love that. Because what he's saying is when God gave me that gift, I didn't just set it aside and say, oh, I'm not worthy. I can't take that gift. I can't do anything with it. What he did was he said, I accept the gift that God has given me. And because I'm accepting that gift, every single thing about my life has changed. The guy that used to stone people to death for being Christians. Boy, I am spitting a lot. I am really sorry. Maybe that's why the chairs were so far back today. It's like a splash zone at SeaWorld. That's where the comparison's in, though. I'm not like a whale. So um, just way off track now. Okay, so this is great. I love how Eugene Peterson writes this in the the message. I don't know how many of you have read. Sarah read a little excerpt from the message a little bit ago. But Eugene Peterson did a translation called The Message, and it's actually very beautiful, very readable. And he says, But because God was so gracious, so very generous, here I am. And I'm not about to let his grace go to waste. So what does that look like in marriage? How do we celebrate? Wasn't it like fun? And weren't all their little quirks fun and cute when you were dating? You're like, my husband used to chew ice. And everyone's like, oh, that's so annoying and whatever. And I'm like, oh, nothing you could ever do would be annoying. And now I'm like... He still does it. And then he does the thing that all guys do. He's like, well, I don't know if your husband's do this, but he's like, I'm not going to chew it. I'm just going to hold it in my mouth. <laughs> no, you're, I've known you for 25 years. You have never been able to do that. So there's all these little great things that used to be so cute and fun when, when uh, we were dating and then they're not so cute and fun, but we fell in love with them, right? And all of a sudden that's like, yeah, I've heard that story 50 times. It was funny like 20 years ago. It's not funny anymore. <laughs> Right? Right? Um, so how do you take all those things, all those bits and pieces? Because i got news for you. Guess what? I do annoying things, too. <laughs> I know. I was surprised, too. <laughs> I was stunned myself. But so how do you take all those things... And embrace who God made them to be. And when he's saying, I am what I am, that is so different than saying, that's just how I am. I can't change. I just have a bad temper. I just, that just hurts my feelings. I'm a very sensitive person. I have to tell people when I'm upset. That's just what I do. That's how I express myself. Difference, big difference. What he's saying is I am what I am because of who God has created me to be. So your husband and you are created in the image of God. And there are times in our marriage where I have been so angry and so I know that if I say anything, it's going to be really bad and I'm going to regret it. And I've had to go somewhere and like curl into the fetal position and say, he is made in God's image. He is made in God's image. He is made in God's image. And you know what? I hope that he does that too. I hope he remembers that God created me in his image as well. Because that changes everything about how I treat them. The driver that cuts me off in the street. The kid that is the one out of all our kids. Sometimes it just uh, rubs me the wrong way that person I just don't get along with at work, they are made in God's image. So how do we take those things in our marriage and celebrate them and enjoy them and quit trying to fix them all the time? Remembering that he is made in God's image. And just like we so desperately need the grace of God, in our own lives and just as we hope and pray that when we've really blown it when we've really messed up big time that someone's going to extend that grace to us that's the type of grace we need to extend to them let me just wrap up real quickly and tell you a story i grew up in a very wonderful house some of you have heard me talk about my mom and dad and i love them dearly um Very strict household, though, when I was younger. Very strict. But um, I was used to immediate punishment for certain things if I knew I'd stepped out of line. And I just had some issues with that. Like in my 20s, I was just trying to sort out what to feel guilty about and what not to feel guilty about. Anybody on that issue? Okay. And so... We went on a mission trip. I was very young. Matt and I were dating. We went on this mission trip. The trip was not going well. This other guy was leading it. It was very disorganized. There were a lot of behind-the-scenes problems. I think the kids on the trip were doing great. But leadership-wise, we were kind of like, do we know what we're doing over here? Come on, guys. So one night, we were at a meeting with all the leaders of the trip. There were probably over 100 kids there. And so all the leaders were in this room. There's probably 10 or 12 of us in this gorgeous, thousand-year-old little church in Ireland. We're sitting in this room. We're having this leaders' meeting. I bring up something that's kind of been a recurring issue, only to be told nothing's been done about it. So I do what any godly person does. I blew up. I mean, (laughs) shot my mouth off, told off the guy in charge, did this whole thing. Like, it was so bad that when it was over, everybody just said, okay, we're going to go. I mean, they just walked out of this little tiny chapel, leaving Matt sitting right next to me. I turn and I look back, and 50 of our kids from our church, our high school kids, are all standing at the door. So... Everybody is just quiet now. Everybody's gone. The kids kind of all just back away from the door. <laughs> Matt's sitting there in the, in the room, and I'm just waiting for him to go after me, chew me a new one. And he looks over at me, and he puts his hand on my hand, and he goes, Honey, you just can't do that. <laughs> I, I, lo- I mean, I was, I was sitting there like a puppy waiting to get, in, get beat, you know? And he loved me with such grace in that moment that that is what brought me to repentance was his love and his compassion for me in that very vulnerable moment. So in your marriage, as you celebrate individuality, and as you bump into each other sometimes along the way as a result of that individuality, lovingly offer them that grace and mercy. And remember that they are created just like you are in the image of God. I love you guys so much. Thank you.